And our first reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the first letter of John, chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does to, uh, not hear from a friend of ours us. that uh, some of you guys By have been here when Matt has preached. Matt Yee is somebody who got to know this past and year and. Um, I really enjoyed time with him and really glad when he's been able to um, come and preach for us as well. So, Matt, let me say a prayer for you, um, and then uh, we'll listen to God's word. Lord, I am thankful for my brother Matt and your hand upon his life and all that you're calling him to, and I pray this morning that you would speak through him, that we would hear the word of God through him that you have given him by the Spirit in our hearts to receive all that you want for us, the life, the hope, the goodness of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. Good morning, CCV. Uh, good to be here with you all. Um, it's good to be invited back. Uh, just 
Wasn't sure if I was going to get invited back to share a quick story. Last time I came, finished the message, uh, went back to my seat here in the front, and we had communion, and uh, Johnny was administering the elements, and, and uh, he just kind of gestured to me to come forward because I was in the front. And so I went, and, and he, he took the elements, and then he put out his hand, and I just snatched it from him, and I just took it. And then I went back to my seat. I was just kind of praying. And then I, I kind of glance over it, and I see the next person in line uh, just put out their hands like this, right? And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then the, the next person, and the next person, and the next, I was like, oh, I just like snatched it from Johnny's hands. Like, I, I just chalk it up to me just being that desperate for grace. And so uh, it's good to be here despite that faux pas. Um, Again, my name is Matt Yee. I've, I've pastored in Northern Virginia area for about 15 years, and um, again, just so good to be here to worship with you all. Just, I, I love uh, worshiping with you, and just there's this richness to this worship service. And so, um, again, enough about me. Let's let's enter into scripture uh, today, and to help us locate where we've been, just kind of sharing where in First John. Which, by the way, like CCV, you are blessed. Do you know that you are blessed? Like, again, Johnny's a phenomenal preacher and teacher, and then he goes on sabbatical, and who covers for him? Dean. Like, you guys are blessed. Like, I hope you know that. Not every church has week in, week out, uh, solid, Bible-based, gospel-centered preaching. Again, some of you know, you've been to other churches. It's not like that. You all are blessed. You're spoiled. Okay, let me be real. You're spoiled, okay? And I know the past weeks I've been listening to the messages online and just catching up and, and just been so good. And, and during those messages, I remember um, the, the, the pastors, Dean and Johnny, also acknowledging just like the worship team, AV team, people setting up hospitality, all those things. Like so many people serving. But can I just really just real quickly just acknowledge the teaching team as well? Can we just, can we just encourage them? Like you all are blessed, CCV. I just want to just... Um, and so, again, we're going through the series of 1 John, and, and uh, Johnny had last week's message. Again, great message. Please look, listen to it online. And, and, um, and Dean's messages throughout this. If there's one message, I forget which passage, but uh, Dean somehow connects uh, hippo, hippopotamuses, uh, Pablo Escobar, and false teaching in the first century. Like, it's amazing. Like, I, I, whenever I see a hippo from now on, Dean's not here, I will connect I will think of Dean, and if anyone mentions Pablo Escobar, unfortunately, I will also think of Dean. Um, and so, uh, again, John is addressing, he's making this letter that's going to circulate around at these young churches to encourage them, to exhort them, to, to have them persevere, to hold on, especially in the midst of all this false teaching. Right? And, and there's false teachings and there are pitfalls like Gnosticism that's been covered. Right, There's a special knowledge or, or this exclusive knowledge that only some people have, not everyone has. And it's causing this arrogance and pride and division and, and other pitfalls like the belief that uh, spirits were good. Only spirits good, but matter didn't matter. <laughs> that it, was, it was bad, dirty, evil. And lastly, the, the greatest heresy was Jesus not being fully human that he only seemed human. It was this illusion that he wasn't fully human, right? And, and so those were the heresies and the false teachings that John was warning these young churches about, which leads us right into today's 
text, today's passage. And, and before we enter in, would you once again join with me in a short prayer? Father, God, you are the creator. You are the one who spoke things into existence. You said, let there be light. That is the power of your word. Jesus, you are the word incarnate. And Holy Spirit, you are the one that makes this word come to life in us. And so that's what we pray today. Lord, would your, would your word become true and living for us once again? And so, Lord, if there's things that are spoken that are off or incorrect, Holy Spirit, would you do the work of having us forget it or, or translating it correctly into our hearts, ultimately for your glory and for our good, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Allow me this morning to shake us up with two letters. Two letters this morning. Um, I think it'll come up. AI. AI. Right? These are polarizing letters. Right? For some of you, you, you see these letters and you get excited. Right? Artificial intelligence. You you are excited because you see this as an advancement, helping our world, making life easier. But I'm going to guess that for many of you, you are scared to death by these two letters. I don't know. I can't read anyone's faces right now. But if that's you, if you are internally like freaking out, let me just put you over the top with one other word, Skynet. Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about, okay? Some of you know, not, not, a lot of, not a lot of reaction here, but um, some of you know what I'm talking about, and some of you are like, I need to get back to my doomsday layer. Um, and part of why AI is so tricky is it's creating artificial and fake counterfeits that seem like the real thing. It's like it's hard to differentiate. I'll give you some examples. There was a photo that was flying around with uh, Pope Francis wearing this white designer puffy jacket from... But Balenciaga, is that correct? Can, can you just nod if I'm pronouncing that correctly? Thank you, thank you. A lot of nodding, a lot of affirmation there. Balenciaga, and, and there's a series of photos with uh, former President Trump uh, being arrested, right? And, and there's a video of former President Barack Obama saying some ridiculous things, and that was created five years ago, and it was still realistic, right? And, and the AI, AI platforms that are creating fake songs by musicians, like Drake, and the weekend, right? Do you guys know that? Any nodding? You're tracking? Do you get a lot of nodding here? Not as much over there, okay? And we're living in these incredibly tricky times because some of you, you're incredibly sharp and, and adept at navigating this. And this is easy. This new digital reality is easy for you. But some of you are like me, where the extent of your IT abilities is like on-off on off, like that's your troubleshooting, on off, on off, on off. And it works, you're like, I am an IT genius, right? Um, and, and for those of you who are like me, this new digital reality is scary because it's becoming harder and harder to differentiate between what is real and what's fake, what's true and what's false. And in essence, this is what John was addressing and is addressing to us. He was addressing in that first century but, but thankfully, through the Holy Spirit, it's being addressed to us here today that there's confusion between what's real and fake, 
in the spiritual realm. That there's spirits that are real and true and, and good and evil. And so to frame our next few minutes, here's the main point of the passage, okay? Are you guys ready for this main point? There is a spiritual reality and we can differentiate between the spirits in order to ultimately align with the one who is and will be victorious in this realm. Don't you love it when the main point is long, almost as long as the passage? Like, this is ridiculous, right? I'm going to do my best to try to break it up into digestible parts, okay? So part one, there is a spiritual reality, right? Verse one, beloved, beloved. Right? John loves these people, and, and this is an extension of God loving us today. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Implied within this verse is that there is a spiritual reality. Right? If you're called to, to not believe every spirit, to test the spirit, then, then by definition, there's a spiritual reality. You, there's an assumption of spiritual reality. And for hearers of this letter in the first century, as this letter is circulating around to these young churches in the region, this church, or this truth, that there's a spiritual reality, a reality beyond the physical reality, beyond the physical realm, would have been an easy truth for them to believe. That, 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 Believing that there's a spiritual reality, a spiritual realm, was a no-brainer for them. Of course, they've seen and witnessed many unexplainable things. And even today, for many cultures and people groups worldwide, this is a truth that they subscribe to, that there is a spiritual world, there's a spiritual reality. And I pause to emphasize this point specifically for us here in the West because the tendency and leaning for us here in the West is we downplay or even dismiss this truth that there is a spiritual reality, right? That, that there's a spiritual reality, and, and not only that, but the spiritual reality connects with the physical reality, and there's a tie there that, that they impact and affect one another. And I think most of us here in the West kind of lean towards that skeptical view that, mm, I don't know, all about spiritual, all of that stuff, I don't know. And although I'll say this, not everyone in the West is averse to spiritual. There are people here, people right here, that are spiritually attuned. I believe that. And, and there are some people who are overly attuned. Do you know what I'm talking about, those people? Spiritually overly attuned? Do you know what I'm talking about? They're walking and they fall, they trip and fall, and they're like, the devil! The devil put that rock there. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, nah, you're clumsy. You're clumsy. And you know what I'm talking about, right? There's people where you're like, mm, not everything. But today, if you are here and you're exploring Christianity and you're not even sure about this whole spiritual reality, can I firstly just say this? Thank you for coming. Thank you for taking time on a Sunday morning to join us here. Thank you for taking that chance, that risk, and exploring the Christian faith. And the second thing I would ask is, if you're exploring Christian faith, would you be open to the reality that there might be something, as far-fetched as it is, that there might be something beyond just the physical, seen, and touched world? Can I just invite you to consider that possibility? That there's a possibility of something beyond just what science and technology can prove. 
Because I believe here in the West, again, we may miss out on something. I, I believe we miss out on something when we too quickly dismiss the possibility of the spiritual realm. And today, if you're here and you're a Christian, that you believe in God, you believe that God is real, that God exists, then by default, you believe in a spiritual reality. Whether you know that or not, how much to whatever degree, you believe in a spiritual reality. John 4 says this, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit. Therefore, there is a spiritual reality. One beyond the physical, tangible world that we see. And these two worlds, the spiritual and physical, they're, they're intricately tied together. And they both matter. They both matter, right? And that's, that's John trying to address, um, again, the heresy that, that matter is dirty. No, matter is good. When God created in the beginning, he said it was good. He saw it and he said it was good. Furthermore, God, through the voice of Paul, emphasizes this point in Ephesians 6, right? Ephesians 6, which was read, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So not only is there a spiritual realm, but within that spiritual realm, there is a massive battle. A war unlike anything that has been seen or recorded in the physical world. There's this massive battle that's happening. But just like how AI is making us, making it difficult for us to discern in the digital world, it's also in the spiritual realm, it's hard to discern which spirits are true, which are false, which are good, which are evil. But there's some encouraging news, friends, and this is moving on. Just like there's some online tools that are helping to differentiate between AI fakes, uh, we can also discern spirits. And so this is the second point. We can differentiate between spirits. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Jump to verse 5. They are from the world, they, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So within this spiritual realm, there are spirits that are from God. There are spirits that are not from God, that are in essence from the Antichrist, right? This word Antichrist simply puts synonymous with false teaching, false prophets. And, and then there's further distinctions laid out here in verse 5 and 6. The spirit of God versus spirit of the world. Spirit of truth versus spirit of error. But how can we differentiate between these spirits? And not just in the world, but I would say John's focus is how do we differentiate these spirits in the church? Right? It's easy to differentiate between evil and the world. We see evil in the world. But how do we differentiate these different spirits, this spiritual warfare that's happening in the church? And in a plain reading of the text, and friends, this is good. Sometimes we just need to read scripture. Right? Like, again, I believe in commentary. I believe in scholars. And, but sometimes when I just read the text, it seems like there's an easy and obvious litmus test. Right? It's the one we just read in verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So today, following this service, after this service, Johnny, Corky, Dean, other staff members will stand at the back to, to greet you as you leave, okay? And they're going to say, hey, have a good week. Um, but real quick, real quick, one question. Uh, do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh? And you say, yes. Have a blessed week. Do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh? And you hesitate. Smells a little anti-Christ-ish, hmm? Is that it? Is it as simple as that? Asking that question? Probably not. It's harder to discern than just that. Because the church in the first century in this region was facing threats of these specific spirits of the Antichrist. Things that are anti-Christ, against Christ. And I believe we're facing different ones, slightly different ones, but still different ones. And here are some of the spirits I believe that we in the church in North America, and if you allow me to be so bold, the church in Northern Virginia, and I'm not saying specifically CCV, but again, churches in this region, I think are struggling with. There's a spirit of complacency and comfort. There's a spirit of anger and outrage. There's a spirit of criticism. Spirit of narcissism. Spirit of fear. Spirit of consumerism. Oh. This one's, this one's hurting the church, friends. We're starting to believe that church is this transaction. That, hey, I, I give, I tithe, and I expect a good product in return. There's this, that spirit is starting to pervade in the church where it's this transaction. So much of our relationships are transactional now of, okay, I'll be friends with you, but what, what will that benefit me? And the last one, it's a huge one, is the spirit of division when it comes to politics or certain specific politicians, when it comes to hot-button issues of abortion, gun control, education, race, all the things that we see in the culture wars that are dividing the church. And so I'll offer us one way, I believe, that helps us discern different spirits within the church is how do you respond to a sister or brother in Christ who you disagree with? How do you respond to a sister or brother in Christ? They're in Christ. You have Jesus as a common bond, but you disagree on something. How do you respond to them? And if we take a step back at this passage, again, if we just kind of step back, this passage is actually sandwiched between two other passages. And I think that should be our guiding principle, right? And last week, we heard Johnny talk about, again, love, loving one another, not just, again, in words, but loving them practically, relationally, in a gospel-driven way, loving them. And then you have today's passage, and then you jump, and next week, again, spoiler alert, is about loving one another, right? So I'll read them real quick. John 3, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 16, by this we know love, we experience love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for 
the brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Then we have today's passage about discerning spirits. And then we look ahead next week. If anyone, verse, verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I would propose to you this morning the primary way to differentiate between spirits, all the spirits that are around us in the spiritual realm, is by seeing and tasting the fruit of the spirit, the fruit that comes out of people, right? And that's how you can sense, right? Uh, if if the, the fruit of the Spirit is being exhibited and exuding, right, that gives us insight to discern and differentiate between different spirits. But friends, let me end with this last encouraging piece, okay? Because even if you can't discern each and every spirit correctly, okay, I, I would argue that's not really what this passage is about. Because this last piece, this final piece, this comforting piece is what this passage is about. Verse, or Part three, we can align ourselves with the one who is and will be victorious. Mm. Y'all ready for this? Give me a nod if you're ready for this. This is good stuff coming. Verse four, little children, you are from God. You're in God's family and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. Mm. Just end with that. But I'll continue because uh, I prepared a little more. But I believe this is the key verse, the linchpin, the fulcrum of this passage. Little children, you are from God. You are in God's family. And John says we have overcome them. We have overcome false teachers. We have overcome evil spirits, all the spirits of the Antichrist. We overcome them. And this word overcome is in the pres or perfect tense, which, again, I'm, I'm not a grammar person, so I'll defer to the experts. So the commentator says, of past completed victory and a present state of being a conqueror. In other words, constant and permanent state of overcoming. You're always in victory. Now, as good as that sounds, let me be real, friends. Let me be real with you. Like, when I read this passage, my heart's response as I read that you are from God and you have overcome them, when I read that, do you know how my heart responds? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I've overcome them. I don't feel like I've overcome them. I don't feel like there's a lot of overcoming and victory in my life, God. And Dean mentioned this, like, the darkness in this world, right? Like, the, the, we just look at this world, right? Or, or, or your news feed, which, as a side note, I don't think God designed us to withstand this much, friends. Can I just say that? I don't think, the, the internet has, again, done a lot of blessing. Like, just, I don't think we were made to absorb all the tragedies and every single evil act in the world. I don't think God created us for that, right? And so, so much darkness in the world. But some of you are like, I ain't even there. I can't even think about the world because my family is in a hurricane of pain. My parents, my parents are ailing, they're aging, they're hurting. I don't know how I'm going to financially take care of them. And, and, and my children, I, I don't know. 
I, don't, I can't even think about them. Or, or I, I'm trying to have kids. I, I, we're not even able to have kids. I mean, I'm trying to get married or, or whatever it is that, that we are struggling with. The health, marital strife, infertility, financial debt, grief, loss, our children, our grandchildren's addictions. They've walked away from church, walked away from faith. And then some of you are like, I ain't even looking at my family. I just have myself. And I'm struggling with loneliness, depression, anxiety, fear. Seems like people have moved on from COVID. I, I have not. And for some of you, if you're like me, if you see these things, it's easy to come to this conclusion, God, I don't feel like I've overcome them. I don't feel like I'm overcoming. Honestly, if I'm honest, sometimes, God, I feel like you're even not overcoming. And I'll propose two primary reasons why. One is we are focused more on the physical realm than the spiritual realm. And Ephesians 6 addresses this, and and that's for another message for another time. But basically reminding us our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers, the principalities, uh, all the forces of evil in the heavenly places, right? So that's one reason. The second reason is I believe we are focused more on minor losses in this life than the ultimate victory to come. So I'll end with this. Uh, Anyone watching the Women's World Cup right now, like, if you want to just give me a nod or, or hand, raise your hand, Women's World Cup. I uh, heard this hot take. I, I, I really like it. Um, just, I didn't make it, okay, but I, I agree with it. But Women's World Cup, a lot better than Men's World Cup. Uh, less flopping, less faking injuries. <laughs> it's a hot take. I, I'm just saying. Uh, so the Women's World Cup is being co-hosted by two countries, Australia and New Zealand. And 21 years ago was the first time the World Cup was co-hosted by two countries. Does anyone know? Does anyone know two countries? Any experts? 2002 World Cup, men's World Cup. It was, yeah, South Korea and Japan. Yeah, South Korea and Japan. Okay, all right, you guys are American football folks. Okay, uh, and so uh, for the country of South Korea, again, I'm South Korean descent, it was a surreal event. Surreal event. They were, they were hosting and they were also doing really well. So I remember a friend who lived in South Korea at the time, like he would tell me these stories, like they're, at, they're out at the restaurant, like Korean barbecue, like, have you all had Korean barbecue here? Like, Korean barbecue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for those of you who haven't, like, can I just in a lovingly way say, like, what are you doing with your life, right? Like, what are you doing? Like, really, like, 10 minutes, 10 minutes to the east is Annandale, 10 minutes to the west is Centerville. Like, Make good choices, friends. Make good choices, okay? Um, so they're like, he's at a Korean, Korean barbecue restaurant, and they're like racking it up, food and drink, and, and, uh, and, and South Korea is winning, and, and it, they win. And literally, he said, everyone from the restaurant got up, left the restaurant. No one paid their bill. Everyone up and left, went out in the streets with everyone else, all, all these people just celebrating the streets, hugging, high-fiving, random people, and even the people, like, even the restaurant owners, they didn't care, or and they couldn't do anything about it, but they were celebrating, like, they lost money, but they didn't care. Like, it was just a really special time. Like, I wish I lived there, and, and uh, just as a small, like, epilogue to the story, like, I asked my friend two weeks later after the World Cup ended, I was like, hey, man, how was it? Like, are you still, like, like hugging random strangers? And he's like, um, now, they all went back to being jerks, um, and so... <laughs> It was just a very unique, special time, right? But my favorite story from that World Cup, it, it, it deals with my father. 
And my father, he tells this story. Uh, my father's a pastor. He was a pastor of a <clears throat> larger Korean-American church in Philadelphia. And so he was the senior pastor. He had associate pastors. And uh, I think one of the games was on during, like, work hours. And so they, they wanted to watch the game. Assistant pastor comes to my dad and says, Pastor Yi, let's watch the game. And for my dad, who grew up in the 50s and 60s in a developing nation of Korea, right? In the first game, South Korea faced Poland. And so for my dad... Thinking of Korea, the Korea that he was growing up with, that, that's coming out of third world kind of status, to go against a European, any European country, like pick, pick the smallest European country, he's like, no, it's going to be a blowout. It, this is going to be terrible. And so he's like, I'm not going to waste my time with this. And so the assistant pastor leaves. Uh, they go to watch the game. And then he gets a knock on the door. And then he's like, come in. And then he's like, Pastor Yi, South Korea scored. It's one nothing. Come watch the game. And my dad's like, I don't know if he said this or thought it in his heart. He's like, nah, Poland's going to score like the next five goals, okay? You're, save yourself the heartache. And so this, this assistant pastor, he just goes back to watching the game. A couple minutes later, boom. And then he's like, 2-0, South Korea scored again. And my dad's like, nope, not going to watch it. Minutes pass. Not even knocking this time. Boom! Just the door open. Korea won! South Korea won! And my dad, do you know my dad's response? Are you lying to me? <laughs> and so it was the truth. And so my dad, he, he asks, like, around to find a recording of the game. This is 2002, friends, right? Like, a recording of the game, right? So he gets, he finds it from someone, he finds the recording of the game, gets the v VHS tape, um, puts in the VCR. Does everyone remember VCR? VCR? Yeah, less nodding on this side, less nodding this time. And so, um, so he puts in the, and he's watching the game, and as he's watching the game, the weirdest thing happens. As he's watching this game, this intense game of soccer, intense match, this weird thing happens, Nothing. Like, it's an intense match. I went and rewatched it recently. It's an intense match, and my dad's just sitting there as cool as a cucumber. There's no up and pacing. There's no walking around, biting fingernails. He's just sitting there, just chilling like a villain. He's just chilling. He is, like, if there was a heart rate monitor, it's not even going up a blip. Why is that? He knew the outcome. He knew the ending. He knew the ending. That even in the most intense moments when Poland is on the attack, it's on a fast break, and it's surely Poland's going to score. My dad is just chilling. Why? He knows the ending. He knew the ending of the game. He knew the outcome. He had no fear, no worry, no anxiety. In that game, my dad knew he was an overcomer. Dear sisters and brothers of CCV, we can live as overcomers because why? Because we know the ending. And if you need a reminder, or if you don't know the if you don't know the ending, let me give us a little preview of it. And I apologize, uh, slide uh, AV team, I didn't put this on the slides, but I'm just going to read it, and just would you hear this. Revelation 7, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. 
And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them. Were you outside yesterday? The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be a day when there is no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more abortion, no more murder, no more genocide, no more division, no more hatred, no more sexism, racism, no more pain, no more heartache, no more sin, because God will wipe away every tear, and that last tear is gone, and there will be no more tears, no more sadness, no more death. And when we know this ending, when we believe in this ending, then this life, with all its pain, its struggles and strife, you know what happens? It becomes a little bit more manageable. I'm not saying it's okay, but it becomes manageable, and it becomes manageable to the point where sometimes you might even be able to say, we have overcome them. I love this quote. It's a quote from the Nashville shootings at Covenant School. And one of the pastors of Covenant Church, his nine-year-old daughter was was killed in that shooting. This one chaplain, he, he says this quote, when you know how it ends, the scary moments lose their power. And I know some of you are in really deep, scary moments right now. And I want to encourage you. The scary moments lose their power. Not, maybe not completely, but they lose their power when you know the ending. And, and, but how can this be? How can scary moments in this life really lose their power? And the answer is the gospel. And the gospel is this. Jesus took on the scariest moment for us. If you are in Christ today, you will face scary moments in this life. But guess what? If you are in Christ today, you will never face the scariest thing because Christ took it for you. He took the very scariest thing. And then that because of our sin and our rebellion, we deserve judgment and punishment. But Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death we should have died. And he rose again, defeating death, sin and death. And in that death, Jesus experienced the scariest thing one, any one human being has ever experienced, the holy judgment of a righteous God. But if you are in Jesus, you are spared from that. You are saved from that. Jesus absorbed that for us. And so we who believe and enter into what the overcomer did for us, he promises to enter into our lives And he promises to be the one who is greater than he who is in this world. Hallelujah. This negates the power of scary moments in our life. And here's the key. Here's the key, and I'll end with this. But focus not on the victory ahead. Instead, focus on the victor now. God bless you. Focus not just on the victory ahead. Focus on the victor now. What do I mean by that? I think there, there's, there's a difference between the two. And, and I, I'm not going to share my full story. Some of you know it. Again, I've been unemployed for about six, seven months. And, 
And what I realized just recently in the last month or so is I was so focused on victory. I was so focused on not just the victory to come, but I wanted victory now. I wanted victory, victory, victory unto a greater victory. And it wasn't happening. And I realized I was focused on the wrong thing. I was focused on overcoming and victory, but I wasn't focusing on the overcomer and the victor. And things have been changing in my life. I don't know if you can tell, but I've been experiencing revival in my life. Because I'm spending time with the victor. Even though I'm, I'm not experiencing that much victory in life, to be honest. But I'm experiencing the victor. And I'll tell you what, CCV, there is, it seems like a small difference, but there's an eternity's worth of difference between focusing on the victory and focusing on the victor. And the beautiful part is you're not, you're, not gonna, you're not guaranteed victory all through this life and then victory to come. But what you are guaranteed is if you want today, you can know the victor. And the victor will walk with you. He'll run with you and carry you if necessary. He'll intercede on your behalf. He'll love you. He'll care for you. And you'll be with that victor until that final victory. Amen? That's my hope for you, CCV. That is my hope. And that when you know this victor today and he's in your heart, that you will know that he's greater. He's far more sovereign, far more gracious, far more loving he is greater than anything in this world. I pray that you would believe that and live in that. Again, for his glory and for our good. Will you join with me in prayer? Just give you a moment. Today, I don't do this very often, but today if you want victory, I'll tell you, it comes by way of knowing the victor. So if you don't know this victor today, and you've been suffering L's like left and right, there's just losses in your life, I want to invite you today, you can know this victor. You can know, you can have him in your life. You can experience this greater, his greatness. That's greater than anything in this world. You can experience that and invite you to that. For those of you who know Jesus, I also make a similar invitation. Would you, would you have this moment to know the victor? Would you just sit with him? Know that he's pleased with you. He accepts you. He loves you. And if you're in, in difficult times, you're grieving, he grieves with you. He is with you until the final victory where sin and death, every pain, heartache is erased. Until then, would you allow the victor to walk with you? Give us a couple, just a few moments to just pray that back and I'll close this. Jesus, thank you for taking the scariest thing ever on our behalf and you took it on the cross no one was there no family no friends no community everyone left even had the father turn away Jesus thank you 
Thank you that you overcame with your life, death, and resurrection. You are the overcomer. And so that's what we want to focus on. That's what we want to enter into, is having you in us by way of the Holy Spirit. Let it be. Let it be. Lord, I pray that for your people gathered here, Lord. Pray that they would taste and experience this, Lord. Thank you again for your word. Thank you for your promises. We love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.